Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome back Eric Boland, uh, Yankees beat reporter for Newsday. Eric, thank you so much for uh, taking the time right after the trade deadline. I really appreciate it. No problem, Sean. Glad to be with you again. Yes, yes. Thank you. I, it's It's been a, a pretty crazy couple hours, last couple days especially. I figure we can uh, hop right into it and talk some Yankees, uh, Yankees trade acquisitions, departures, and, uh, you know, get going and see what, what, what happened. But uh, I think the first thing uh, I think everyone's talking about it, especially right now is the, uh, the last second deal with, with Jordan Montgomery going to the St. Louis Cardinals and uh, Harrison Beta returning for, you know, coming to coming to the Yankees. Um, I think not a lot of people are, are too upset that, that Montgomery was let go or sent to, sent to the Cardinals. But I think it was, people are more surprised and upset that nothing came in return, that there was no starting pitcher that was, you know, coming in to replace him. Uh, what can you tell us uh, about the situation? And, and did you expect another starter to come in? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, I think there's a, a, a lot of things to unpack on this one, Sean. And um, that, you know, look, every move that they made up until that buzzer beater deal with Montgomery and Bader um, had a, had a, free-flowing logic to it um you know brian cashman went into this trade deadline with with three musts if you will for his to-do list they obviously needed to upgrade uh in the outfield which they did with with andrew benatendi uh they needed uh, another starter uh which they did with frankie montas uh, he wasn't their first choice luis castillo of the reds was uh they also had reached out to the marlins about sandy alcantara uh, and that was uh, was shot down relatively uh, relatively uh, quickly uh, from the from the Marlins standpoint. Uh, uh, Pablo Lopez and the Marlins as well. The Yankees actually earlier this afternoon thought they were pretty close uh, to completing a deal for Lopez. Uh, but still, when you looked at getting Frankie Montas uh, with the rest of the rotation, uh, Cashman could could check that one off. And then certainly bringing in um, you know the, the relievers that they did. Uh, they were in desperate need. Once Michael King got hurt July 22nd in Baltimore, that season-ending elbow injury, uh, that went from a desire to a must-have, uh, getting bullpen help, and, and the Yankees addressed that as well. Uh, but the, as I referred to it earlier, the buzzer-beater deadline, getting rid of Montgomery for Harrison Bader, uh, you know, look, I, I generally operate under the assumption, actually, I pretty much always do, that the teams know more uh, than we do on the outside and that there is a reason and a rationale for everything. But I can tell you, I've talked to already some people inside the organization that are very perplexed uh, by the Montgomery uh, deal. Why? Number one, there's uncertainty in the rotation. Luis Severino just recently was put on the 60-day uh, injured list, meaning he's not eligible to return until mid-September. Now, Severino wasn't real thrilled about that, and he felt that he was probably, you know, maybe three weeks away, two, three weeks away from, from a return. Uh, so all of a sudden, bumping that to mid-September uh, mid, mid wasn't something that he was, uh, was thrilled about. But the reality is, is with his injury history, uh, there is uncertainty uh, with him and, and what level he will be at when he does come back. Um, and then you go throw in Jamison Tyone's uh, struggles that he's had, uh, you know, for the most part, the last six weeks or so. Uh, and Montgomery has been one of their steadiest guys in the rotation since the beginning of the 2021 season. So uh, as one person in the organization put it to me, said, I'm not sure I understand why we weakened our rotation with that deal 
for a position that we didn't need, meaning center field. Um, you know, Aaron Judge uh, loves playing center field. He's been very good out there. You talk to scouts and, and talent evaluators from other teams, and, and they'll tell you that he's borderline gold glove when, when he's been out there. Uh, and he certainly is gold glove caliber in, in right field. And, and he's, you know, I, th I think he's, he's that equal uh, or close to it in center. You're not used to seeing a, a 6'7", 280-pound uh, guy patrolling center field generally in the big leagues. But uh, as we've seen since Judge uh, debuted in August of 2016 and then his first full season in 17, uh, you know, Judge is kind of a, a unicorn, uh, if you will. Uh, Montgomery, very popular player in the clubhouse, obviously born and raised in the organization, a draft pick of theirs. Uh, you know, one of their few starting pitcher success stories that they've developed in, in the system in the last two decades. Um, very close to Garrett Cole, to Judge, to, to quite a few guys in, in that clubhouse. That's not a reason, Sean, to make or not make a trade. I'm just giving you the context of the guy that they, uh, they traded away, and you throw in the consistency uh, you know, that Montgomery brought to the mound each and every time. I, I think the statistic, I don't have it in front of me, but since 2021, I think 42 out of his 50 starts, uh, he's allowed three earned runs or less. Uh, there, there, there's few starters that, that can match that kind of uh, consistency. Look, we know Jordan is not a one or even a two, uh, but he, he's a, a more than solid four. And, and on some nights, he's as, he's as good as anybody. Uh, you know, we've seen teams just flail him and away at, at his his off-speed stuff and not make any hard contact in six or seven innings. And he's done that more often than not. Um, again, as someone else in the organization said to me, it's a head scratcher. I have to think on this one because on the surface, I don't get this last trade that we made. Every other one uh, checked every box you'd want it to check. They were needs. They were must-haves. Uh, we had to get, uh, you know, upgrade the outfield position. We had to get one or two uh, bullpen arms, and we had to get another starter for the rotation. And at the last minute, they yanked a starter and a quality one out of that rotation. And uh, like I said, there's some uh, there's some confused people inside the Yankee organization over that one. Obviously, when everyone saw that deal, those last couple minutes, everyone was hearing that Pablo Lopez was sort of close, and you know, we had some other reporters saying that you know they're the Yankees were talking and to other pitchers all over the organization, but, and then obviously that fell through people wonder whether he Cashman had a deal or was trying to get a deal for another pitcher and then something fell through and, but he already had the Montgomery thing done. And then he, you know, he kind of like, you know, lost out or he, you know, missed his opportunity of getting somebody else. And then it also brings the, you know, the, the question now to is Domingo Herman now, until Severino comes back, if he is going to come back as a starter, is he slated to be a number five or can we see something like Clark Schmidt eventually coming up to take a number five spot? Yeah, I mean, look, they, they just optioned Clark Schmidt, as you know, and their plan is for him to start uh, in AAA, have him uh, stretched out, excuse me, a little bit more than he, he is stretched out. So uh, they definitely want him down there as a starting option. But as of now, uh, Domingo Herman is, is that, that fifth guy. So um, uh, Jordan Montgomery has been a far better big league pitcher uh, in, in his young career than Herman has been in his young career. A variety of circumstances have led to that, but I don't think anyone would, would disagree with that on its surface, at least in terms of looking at both guys' resume. Uh, I happen to like Herman a little bit better than, than, than some people do. I, I know that it, it, his first few starts haven't been particularly encouraging, but you, know, you have to take into account 
how long he was away and, and, and pitching is still an art form and, and it's, it's about feel and, and a lot more than just throwing the ball. Uh, so I, I don't think it's necessarily catastrophic uh, that, that Herman is in the fifth starter spot. But again, uh, I'd rather have Jordan Montgomery in there uh, if I'm the Yankees than, uh, than Herman based on uh, all the things that we've talked about with, with Montgomery's consistency. I think Herman would have been a nice piece to, uh, you know, to have in the bullpen as maybe a swing man and, and a guy that you could spot start on occasion, or if there's an injury, uh, you know, then you slide him back into the rotation. But, uh, you know, in terms of what other deals fell through, et cetera, uh, you know, until I, I get that from, from a source, uh, I, I'm not really going to speculate on that. Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, everyone was saying, you know, Yankees Twitter, they love to speculate. And, you know, everyone has their own theories. They pretend to be reporters. You know, everyone has their well, two cents. And, and, and Sean, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. that. That's 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 part of the fun. And I think I maybe said it to you guys when I was on with you last time. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But, you know, I love the passion of, of Yankee fans as much as I fight with, with people on Twitter. And I know that amuses some people. It doesn't amuse everyone. But, um, you know, I, don't don't let that distract from the fact that I have a job because of the passion of Yankee fans. So um, I love Yankee fans. I love their intensity. I, I love the fervency with which they follow the, the franchise and they follow the reporters who cover the team. Again, I, Newsday would not spend the money they do sending me all over the country to cover the Yankees uh, if there wasn't that interest. So I, I love Yankees fans. I love Yankees Twitter, even though I don't always give that, uh, that appearance off when I'm, when I'm on Twitter. Um, that said, I, I have no issue with, with fans doing that type of speculation, but I'm just not going to say publicly speculation on those types of things when I have not heard anything or gotten anything. Uh, and obviously the trade deadline is what just passed. It's an hour and 10 minutes ago, uh, the deadline hit. You know, until I, I talk to sources inside the organization or with other teams, um, you know, I, and then I, I'm not going to say um, that this deal fell through or this, you know, the Montgomery thing was done. And then another deal they thought they were going to get done. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll let other people do, do the speculate on that until I actually have, uh, you know, sourced material on it. Yeah, it's uh, that Yankee fans are are one of a kind for sure. And I, I love them as well. You know, that's 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 why I do what I do here. It's just. You could talk to anyone. Everyone has a different opinion and everyone, you know, loves to loves to interact as if, you know, they're friends with Cashman or know a guy who knows a guy. And, you know, that's that's always super fun for me. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, Montgomery, not you know, getting traded was a surprise and then not having anyone return as a, in a starting pitching wise was a bit of a shocker. But, uh, you know, moving forward to earlier today, you know, we had uh, uh, Joey Gallo. Uh, finally, he he gets traded to to the Dodgers um, for like, for now number ten on our prospect list, Clayton Beater. I think that was a relatively good trade for the Yankees. I thought that that was you know pro- possibly one of the best returns you could get for someone like for Gallo who was struggling so much. And uh, I think it, it it could work out well for for him in, in Los Angeles. I think it's a win for him to to start over. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the trade as well. Look, I mean, the, basically the Yankees were hoping to get some kind of a, and I, I don't mean this as flippantly or, or even disrespectfully, it's, it's, it's going to come out, but they were hoping to basically get a warm body in return for uh, Gallo. I, everyone knew it, it wasn't working anymore and it was inevitable that he was going to get dealt. And that's the problem when you're trying to trade somebody and everyone in the industry knows you're trying to trade them. Uh, that lessens his value automatically. Um, and so the fact that the Yankees were able to get a guy that, you know, look, the Dodgers 
obviously soured on on uh, on this kid. Uh, he, he was once a, a much higher thought of prospect inside the organization uh, than he is now. Uh, just texting with some people after that deal was done. Uh, got mixed reviews. I mean, most guys you know, don't necessarily think that he projects as anything other than a bullpen arm if he does get to the big leagues, uh, which is certainly not a, a certainty by any stretch. Um, you know, he throws 97, 98, uh, you know, has, has a few secondary pitches, but uh, I didn't talk to anyone that thinks that he projects as a starter in the big leagues. And, uh, you know, a few guys don't think they'll even make it to the big leagues. And a few said, yeah, I could see him being sort of a, you know, middle innings relief guy. Um that's almost irrelevant to me. And certainly based on the reaction I saw from, uh, from Yankees fans on Twitter, they didn't care. They just wanted Gallo gone. And frankly, Gallo wanted to be gone and the Yankees wanted to be gone, not because they disliked him as a person, not because behind the scenes, he wasn't a good clubhouse guy. He was, uh, he had a, a lot. And I know Yankee fans don't want to hear this, but uh, he was held in very high regard by his teammates for how he's handled the last year uh, in pinstripes and to the point where I don't want to say that that guys felt bad for him, uh, but, you know, guys certainly commiserated with the fact that he had it as rough in New York uh, as he did. And, and Randy Miller, uh, you know, from, from NJ Advance, who covers the Yankees along with, with Brendan Cuddy, uh, did a, a really, really good interview uh, with Gallo that I think he posted online this afternoon. I think he talked to uh, Gallo yesterday. Um, and it was, it was very illuminating. It was very well done by Randy, asked very good questions, and Gallo was super honest with him. Uh, made the comment. I don't know if you saw it or, or not, Sean, but uh, he lives in Manhattan and, and, you know, didn't want to go out and show his face in public, basically, because, uh, you know, he just was uh, didn't know how he would be received if he was recognized out on the streets because Yankee fans had given him such a, a rough time here. And, and he's not alone in that regard. We, we've all seen it. Uh, you know, I've been covering the Yankees a, a long time. You've been following the Yankees a long time. You know, we, we always go back to Derek Jeter got booed when he was in that 0 for 32 slump back in 2003 or four, whenever it was, um, you know, so, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, nobody got it worse than Stephen drew the short time that, that, that he was a Yankee or, or Andrew Haney last year, every time he walked off the mound, um, you know, Gallo was here a year. So he got a little bit longer than that, but um, you know, that ship had sailed. Uh, it didn't work. Um, th there's a variety of reasons that it didn't work. Uh, the Yankees, I think that was one of those. They heard plenty from both inside their organization and outside their organization before they pulled the trigger on the Gallo deal saying it's not going to work for a variety of reasons because Gallo is sensitive, he hears everything, um, and that he would be better off just somewhere other than the intense spotlight that is playing for the New York Yankees where almost every at bat can become a referendum on your professionalism and some guys are able to deal with that and some guys aren't and the Yankees had plenty of people telling them before they made the Gallo trade last year that he was not a fit for New York City but you know and I'm not going to go too deep in the woods on this but uh, a lot of influential people in the analytics department decided that those type of intangibles that you can't measure aren't important and we're smarter than everyone else and behind the scenes, our technology, and, and basically we're going to fix this guy. We'll, you know, we'll turn him into a, you know, a little bit better uh, overall hitter than he's been. And they ignored all of the warnings that they were getting before they, they executed that deal. Uh, they obviously within the last couple of months came to the realization that uh, it just wasn't going to work. And, and the ground was getting laid, uh, as I said, really two, three months ago uh, for the type of deal that, that was made today. But because the industry knew that the Yankees 
were trying to get rid of Gallo, uh, you know, there was no chance that you were going to get a, 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 a big leaguer or even a fringe big leaguer in return. Uh, and the Yankees are fine with that because the, they just, you know, they had gotten Ben attendee um, and they, they just knew it, it, it was time. It was time for him to go uh, somewhere else. But, you know, I know, again, Yankee fans don't necessarily want to hear the positive, but Gallo is a very good guy, very good teammate, very well respected in the clubhouse, uh, and it just didn't work out. And he's not the, the first one that that's happened to in pinstripes, and, and he won't be the last. I'm always a Joey Gallo advocate. I've always been, you know, on his side. I'm always trying to, uh, you know, cheer him on. I know Yankee fans attack me for it all the time because, you know, the second he strikes out, it's right back to the same conversation. But, you know, unfortunately, I think it's it's best for him. I think it's a little uh, not as easy as I thought it would be, though, because he goes to, to the Dodgers, which is another big fan base where they yep. they will, you know, be uh, not as skeptical or watch every at-bat like we do where every strikeout means everything. But, you know, I think it's still going to be a very tough atmosphere for him, especially another team that's going to be trying to get to the World Series. So, you know, I, I hope the best for him. Hopefully he can turn his career around and, you know, have a better half, whatever, whatever's rest of his career. I hope it ends up working out for him. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I thought it was interesting that, that just as you mentioned, that he went from one big market to another big market with, with high expectations. Uh, certainly going to the Dodgers is not a, a dramatic, excuse me, step down in, in class. And they very well could see Gallo in the World Series. I mean, who knows how things are going to turn out, obviously, but uh, the Yankees remain the, the favorite in the American League and, and the Dodgers, you would say, uh, and certainly the Padres have put themselves in the discussion very much uh, as well. But, uh, you know, you would say as of now that the, the Dodgers are, are still among the, the, the favorites to represent the National League in the, in the World Series. So it's not like Gallo stepped out of the spotlight uh, with the trade, but, uh, you know, Dodger, Yankee fans are unique. And I, and I don't mean that in, in a negative way, but in terms of, and you kind of just alluded to it, Sean, the, the focus on every single at bat, every single game, which obviously wore Gallo down really from the time he, he stepped into, uh, into the Bronx last year. Um, it's not quite to that degree uh, in LA and not that he'll be able to hide there, but he's going to arrive there with far fewer expectations than he arrived in New York with. And, and I think that he will benefit from that. And frankly, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't have any kind of a personal connection, uh, but he has been a very productive major league player. I think he can be again. Uh, and and I, I do hope that that happens for him uh, with the Dodgers. Yeah, me too. Uh, especially because they have, you know, a struggling Mag Max Muncie right now. And Cody Bellinger, who kind of is in a similar boat, lefty power swing, so, you know, low average right now, even though Cody Bellinger is and still can be uh, a phenomenal MVP type player. It's just uh, hopefully it works out for him and, and, and everything, you know, goes great. But I, I want to quickly swing over to the to the to the big trade that happened yesterday with, with Oakland, you know, the Yankees get the starting pitcher that everyone was was sort of begging for it with Frankie Montas. I know they really wanted Luis Castillo that kind of fell through. And then, uh, you know, the Yankees end up with Montas and Lou Trevino and, uh, but they gave up a lot and uh, you know, Ken Waldachuk, JP Sears, Luis Medina and Cooper Bowen, which I was kind of surprised about. Uh, how did you feel about the trade and, and, and what do you expect from, you know, Frankie and Lou, you know, going forward? I mean, look, I, I, again, the, the, 
these were needs that had to be addressed by the Yankees. And so um, Montas, he's, he's been a very good starter uh, for the most part. You just have to look at his numbers the last, uh, you know, four or five years. And, and, and he's, you know, he's not, you know, you don't put him, he's not a top of the rotation guy, but he's not a back end of the rotation guy either. I mean, he really is kind of a perfect three, four guy. um, I think, Uh, you know, the Yankees may see him as, as a two uh, behind Garrett Cole. And certainly if you get into, and, and here's what played a significant role in this, this deal uh, from the Yankees standpoint. I mean, again, Castillo was the number one, you know, choice for them. uh, And then they switched to Montas. But one of the things that really made him attractive was look up and Yankee fans will be excited about this. If they haven't done it already, look up his career numbers against the Astros the team that the Yankees very well may see in, in an ALCS uh, in October uh, is very good. And I was actually texting with someone with the Astros uh, yesterday about it. And he, and I go, uh, I go, what do you think of Montas? And he sent me back an expletive. He goes, that's not what we wanted to see down here. Um, and so, you know, their, their players, their staff, their organization is very much aware of what he has done to them uh, in the past. And so, uh, you know, I, I would fully expect in an ALCS that Montas would, would slide in right behind Garrett Cole and be the number two guy based strictly on, on his career numbers against uh, Houston. So, um, you know, I, it, it definitely was an addition that needed to be made. I think it's a quality addition to the, to the rotation. You know, you do have to have a little bit of concern because he did have a shoulder injury uh, earlier in this year. Obviously, the Yankees don't, don't see that as an issue, but anytime a pitcher has a shoulder uh, injury, you know, you have to put that in the back of your mind uh but yeah i I honestly don't you know they they didn't give up any of their their top 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 prospects uh i'm not nearly in in love with prospects as most people are uh i i cover it i I pay attention to it because i have to but what people don't realize or they don't want to realize is that the vast 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 majority of these guys don't smell the big leagues and you can go through the list of baseball america's top 50 or top 100 or any of these these publications where everybody is to them is a, is a future big league all-star when you read these reports and then you check back five years later and most of the guys are out of baseball or they're struggling in single or double a and had no chance of reaching the major. So, you know, when I, when I hear fans or especially media talk about, Oh, how could they give up this guy? I know for a fact that you've never seen him pitch before. You've never seen him play before because he's in single a Charleston or he's in Somerset or he's, you know, playing in, in single a club with, with in Texas or something like that. And so people just look at pure numbers uh, that they see or, or on their own computations or on you know, milb.com, whatever, um, and make these grand uh, pronouncements uh, projecting forward that some single A guy, because he you know, ha- has an incredible whip uh, in three years it is going to be the next Mariano Rivera. And I just get tired of it, frankly, Sean. Um, so you know, I, I don't want to say I don't care. If the Yankees had given up Jason Dominguez in a deal for Juan Soto, I, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. Or if they've given, given him up for Luis Castillo, because here, here's the thing, and an executive with another team said this to me about a week ago, we were talking, it was right after Michael King got hurt, and we were talking about a variety of different topics, and we got on the Soto thing, and I said, what do you think on the, the Yankees and Soto? And he goes, he goes, let me ask you a question. He goes, let's say the Yankees give up their top five prospects. However you want to rank them, whether it's, it's how Baseball America ranks them or how MLB.com ranks them or whoever else ranks them. He goes, let's say they give up those top five. What's the likelihood that any one of those five 
is going to be remotely close to the caliber of player that Juan Soto is. And so I don't think that question gets asked enough when these, these big deals come about and we, we see people wax poetic about the amazing haul that Team X got because they got because of these highly rated prospects that, again, most of whom aren't going to work out. And, it, and of those four or five, if one of them turns into an all-star, that's probably that's pretty successful haul. That's just the way these things work if, if you've been following the sport for any amount of time. So um, the Yankees had needs that had to be addressed, and they had a farm system that had enough pieces in it uh, that Oakland uh, selected the, the same way they did with Sonny Gray back in 2017. And remember that, you know, it was, oh, how could they give up Caprillion? How could they give up Fowler? How could they give, you know, and, and what have those guys' careers, you know, turned out to be? And, and obviously injuries have played a role in, in some of those guys. It's not an attack on anybody, but it's just, I just get tired of the whole prospect thing. And, and I know it's a cottage industry and there's a ton of guys that cover that stuff. Do I, I have the utmost respect for but I just can't read on Twitter every time a single A guy throws 99 and, and drops a 12-6 curveball that all of a sudden he's Clayton Kershaw. I just can't take it anymore. Um, and so, we, we, you know, you just everybody falls in love with prospects. Everyone loves prospects. And again, the cold reality is, is that the vast majority of them aren't going to smell the big leagues. And if they do, maybe they'll have a decent career. And in very small, you know, percentage instances, then they actually do turn into, uh, you know, stars and the like. Um, so uh, the Trevino thing, um, a rough year this year, but he's been generally pretty good. Um, and obviously Montas is an established big league uh, pitcher. So uh, very good, I think very good deal from, from the Yankees perspective because, uh, you know, look, I think it was Bill Parcells many, many years ago said, you're either moving closer to a championship or further away from it. And I think all of the deals the Yankees made up until the very last second one with Jordan Montgomery pushed them closer to a championship and the Montgomery one, you know, we'll, we'll put a, a to be determined on that one. I'm not going to say that that moved them backwards, uh, but it just, that one, it's a little bit more, um, doesn't make as much sense on the surface as the other ones did. Yeah. With the, with the Montgomery one, once you get to the postseason and you have someone, you know, like a Cole Montas Severino, and then um, Nestor Cortez as your you know top four, where would you really put Montgomery in, in a playoff rotation? And then you get someone like, like Bader, who is a fantastic, you know, defensive outfielder with speed. Maybe that's where the Yankees will thrive best on. And so maybe in the long haul, it, it might work out best for us. It just was a complete question mark at this moment. That's, that's yeah, no. And, and, and that's a, that's a very fair point. You know, Montgomery probably would not, if, if everyone was healthy, all the, the guys that you mentioned uh, were healthy. He probably would not uh, be in the playoff rotation unless he just had amazing numbers against the opponent. However, the, you know, the Yankees were, were matched up. Um, and look, judge has been very good in center field, but there is concern organizationally that with his big body, that him playing center field is a bit more taxing on his body uh, than playing right field. Uh, but I can tell you this, Aaron Judge loves, 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 loves playing center field. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think he's never had more fun in his career than he has this year. Obviously, what he's done at the plate, 
uh, plays a, a big role in that. But I also know part of that is the fact that he's gotten regular reps uh, the last couple of months in, in center field. So, um, you know, Judge is a team player. Judge is going to be fine playing wherever the Yankees uh, have him play. Uh, but it's not like he was hurting them in center field. And so that was that's my uh, and you still have to get through the last two months of the season. And Montgomery's an innings eater. He's a guy, even if he doesn't have his best stuff, still gives you at least five and usually six innings. And if he's really on, he'll give you seven. Um, and he's usually pretty pitch efficient because he pitches to contact and he ends up getting weak contact for, for the most part. So, you know, there was value there. And it wasn't like the Yankees were desperate for, for a center fielder because Judge had been playing it uh, so well. Uh, so I completely understand the argument that some Yankee fans are making. And, and I'm sure I haven't heard Brian Cashman talk yet about the deals. I'm sure that's probably part uh, of what uh, was behind that deal. Uh, but first and foremost, on, you know, August 2nd, you did not make your rotation better by trading Jordan Montgomery. Long-term, maybe you made the team better overall and it'll all come out in the wash in October, obviously. Uh, but on August 2nd, you didn't make your rotation better after the day before making it significantly better. Like I said, you know, it's, it's hopefully it works out. You know, I, you know, Cashman and the team that they have is uh, definitely looking all the way into October on this one. Maybe they're seeing something that, that we're not. Um, but speaking about that Oakland trade, you know, you, you grab two, uh, major leaguers right then and there, it kind of puts, uh, and I know right now Montas is not currently on the active roster, you know, he's dealing with the family situation and he, he won't be seen until, you know, St. Louis. And of course we will probably end up seeing Montgomery against us, um, this, this week, but, you know, where the roster stands now with 13 pitchers, 13 hitters, there's going to be a pitcher that's going to be the odd man out. Uh, I don't know. I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but if, if you had to assume somebody who, who could you see as an odd man out for some, for Montas taking their, their spot on the roster? Mm. Who would you say? It's tough. You know, I, I, as much as I would think more on a Albert Abreu or a Lucas Lickey situation, I first I was thinking Wandy, but just from that Wandy sprint yesterday, I was like, oh, maybe he was, you know, making his case for the team <laughs> as a joke. But <laughs> but I would say I thought Lucas Lucky was going to end up getting traded in the deadline to kind of continue to make room. But I would say out of those two guys, I was uh, maybe a Bray, but a Bray has been great. Maybe Lickey, yeah, but Lickey doesn't I mean, have any options. Yeah, that's exactly. And remember, he is a lefty, and they do like the lefty-on-lefty uh, -lefty matchups that, that he uh, presents, and he, he can be a reverse splits guy at times, too. Um, you know, I mean, I think Marinaccio would be thrown in that mix as, as someone that could be an, an odd man out uh, as well. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a tough call because, um, you know, Peralta, I think, has done enough this year to where they, they wouldn't suddenly uh, quit on him because, you know, he's had – you know, one or two outings in recent weeks that haven't been his best, but overall his numbers are still uh, terrific. Uh, that's a tough call because there's nobody that stands out as glaring to you where you say, okay, that guy's got to go. He, he's been so, you know, so inconsistent that uh, we can send him down uh, with no, uh, no issues whatsoever. Uh, it's almost as if you're going to end up drawing a name out of a hat and whoever is the unlucky uh, name picked is going to be the one that's, uh, that's sent down. I don't, I don't really know. It, it's a great question. Uh, it's a fascinating question that, uh, that unfortunately I don't have an answer to. Yeah. It's, it's just so tough because of the situation. As soon as that trade happened, I was thinking about it and then obviously how everything unfolded, 
I was like, oh, they're going to have to make two moves because we still have Montgomery on the roster. But then Montgomery leaves, and now you kind of open that spot because Bader's going to be on the, on the IEL. He's not on the active roster, so you, you have that. But then I was like, but who do you send? Like, who would go down in, in the St. Louis series? But well, I guess we'll, we'll find out. I, and I think Licky and Abreu both don't have minor league options, so I don't know if they would both just get designated for assignment and then potentially lose them. I, I don't know how what the game plan is there. I, I hope not Marinaccio because of how great he's been. I feel like the Yankees have overused him a little bit, but I, I you know, I, I, maybe he might be the odd man out because he could still get sent down. But uh, I guess. Yeah. And keep in mind too. I mean, if they, if they designate Lipke or Abreu, they'll lose them. Yeah, exactly. Other teams will snap those guys up in a, in a, in a second. Whereas again, with Marinaccio having, having options, then you, you get to keep everyone. Yeah. So but I don't, but, but, but I, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. Me neither. That's, that's why I was like, you know, I, I'm looking at it going, I have no idea. That's, that's another puzzle right there. But my last question for you is, uh, is the first trade the Yankees made, which, you know, the Yankees love to do uh, when they like to find relievers that, uh, you know, not many people are focusing on. And I feel like uh, getting Scott Efros was, was a big win for us. Uh, I know what everyone and there's a lot of people out there that love Wes Neski and saw that first spring training game in Pittsburgh and that that crazy slider he was throwing and, uh, you know, all, all the movement he has and all that. But, you know, getting Scott Efros and he's got some crazy movement, too, that we've seen. And, and the five years of control, I feel like, is, is a big win and probably hence why Cashman looked at that and, and got him. But uh, what can you tell me and how did you feel about that first trade? Yeah, I mean, everything that I heard when I reached out to scouts that uh, have seen the Cubs this year that are assigned to them, whether they're Yankee scouts or scouts from other organizations, I didn't get a negative response back on Efros. They all like his funky delivery. Uh, they like his, you know, they say he's got three quality pitches. Um, and he's a guy, as, as one scout said to me, he's a, he's a perfect bridge-like guy to your closer. Um, but he can obviously pitch middle innings too, but he'll be a matchup guy in a, in a key situation. And uh, in one discussion that I had with a scout, and, and it was actually in relation to um, Michael King, he said, look, you know, you, ha you have to project into October. And with all of these relievers, you say, who against Jordan Alvarez in the sixth inning of an ALCS game would you be comfortable bringing in? And some of the names that we just mentioned, you might not be that comfortable bringing in. They, they do well in the regular season, but in the situation that I just raised, are you really, really comfortable with that guy in there against Alvarez or Alex Bregman or, you know, one of the, one of the top Astros hitters? Um, Michael King certainly was a guy like that. Ron Marinaccio might not be that type of guy yet. Albert Abreu might not be that type of guy yet. Um, Everything that I got back from scouts that I talked to about Efros say he could be that type of a guy. He's got the caliber of stuff. He's got the, you know, he hasn't been tested in those situations, obviously, as a late bloomer, you know, second year guy, 28 years old. Um, but in terms of quality of stuff, um, everyone I talked to said he is a potentially high leverage, high, you know, 
volatility in October type of guy that you would be comfortable putting in in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning of a, of a critical situation uh, in the postseason. So, you know, Wisniewski is a guy, and I will say, if you're talking to one of the Yankee scouts, said, he goes, honestly, he goes, that, that one hurts. He goes, because I'm not sure how many projectable starters we actually have in, sing, in uh, double A and triple A right now. And he was one of them. Uh, we've got a lot of guys that, that probably project more as bullpen arms than starting arms. Uh, Wisniewski was one that to him and to some other people that I talked to, they actually thought, you know, did project as a starter and not a bullpen because of his pitch repertoire. So, um, but again, when you look at immediate needs for the 2022 Yankees, uh, they needed definitely one bullpen arm and probably two, and they got both of those and they got two arms of quality. Yeah, that I, I think for the 2022 Yankees, I think uh, we're a better team than we were two days ago. That's for sure. And and I, I, I'm sorry. I know I, I said this is the last question. This is a quick one. Um, I just thought of this. But, you know, with the struggles of IKF, everyone's already saying, oh, just bring up Peraza, bring up Peraza and give him his shot. And then, you know, they the fact that Ben Rorvet is now activated in AAA, people are already mentioning him and, oh, replace Higashioka. Can you see any situation where any of those two guys are in the major leagues this season? Uh, only work that if, if Trevino, uh, Jose Trevino, uh, or Higashioka were to get hurt, that would be the only. Higashioka, as long as he's healthy, isn't going anywhere because um, he's not there for his bat. I mean, yeah. even though the Yankees analytics department, for some reason, sees more with the bat than, than what has been suggested what his career resume suggests it would be um you know they they've always seen him as a and this goes back many years they've seen him as a, a 15 to 20 plus home run guy and and i've never talked to a, a scout either with the yankees or with another team that sees him that way but he's there uh because he's a terrific defensive catcher uh pitchers really like him uh and he's a, a terrific teammate and he, he he works as you know what off uh so he, because He's not there. And because, look, Trevino has essentially taken over as the starting catcher, and that, that's been the case since May, basically. Uh, Higgy's not going anywhere, uh, unless, again, that there's an injury and then work that would come up in that in that circumstance. As for Peraza, uh, I don't see it. Uh, he certainly has accomplished everything that you'd want to see a, a guy accomplish uh, at AAA. Uh, he's fielding very well. Uh, he's really, each month, as the season's gone on, he's hit better and better. Uh, you know, he's probably deserving of a shot, uh, but there's just not a spot for him right now in the roster. And, and they're not going to get rid of uh, Kiner Falefa, Falefa and, and bring up uh, Peraza uh, unless, again, you know, injury were to necessitate it. But you're not just going to have a swap out like that. That's, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's what I keep saying. I know everyone loves Oswald Peraza, especially what he's done. In, in the minor leagues this season. But I still think, you know, we have Marwin for a reason to be a backup shortstop and the, the, all the utility positions that he can play. Uh, there's a reason he's there. So, you know, well, I guess we'll see what, what they end up doing with both those guys. But uh, Eric, I, again, I, I really appreciate you, you, you taking the time uh, on such a busy day, you know, in, in for you and for everyone in the baseball community. Uh, thank you so much. You're welcome, Sean. I enjoyed talking to you and, uh, Look forward to coming on with the uh, with the rest of the group down the road. Yes, thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Absolutely, Sean. Thanks so much. And that's going to be a wrap for the, the trade deadline special part three. Uh, hope you all enjoyed. 
that interview with Eric Boland. Uh, we'll have a couple more guests coming on. So just stay with us because it's, it's only the beginning. Like I told you, I told you in previous episodes that we are just getting started here. It's going to be real fun, real exciting as we head towards the final two months of the season. Uh, hopefully the Yankees uh, made all the right moves to guarantee them into October and hosting a, a World Series championship trophy in number 28 at that. Uh, but from me, Eric, and birthday boy Enrique, who couldn't be here, and John, um, that's it. We'll see you guys next time. Go Yanks.